Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast. On today's episode, we have Kevin Utira from Voy Media here today to talk about Facebook advertising performance and how it all works. Kevin is an expert in direct response advertising, e-commerce, and marketing for businesses and brands looking to get more out of their ad spend. Kevin has done it personally with his own projects and on behalf of clients. So we are excited to have him here today to help us share some of that knowledge. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, super excited to sort of go over my background and sort of tell people kind of what the performance marketing is like in this sort of 2020 and sort of, you know, kind of what we're seeing with some of the accounts that we're spending. Yeah, fantastic. So let's start right there. What uh, maybe has led to your success over the past few years and what's been your sort of special sauce? But then most importantly, how has that changed in the past six months or three months, uh, given COVID-19, the pandemic? Yeah, so basically how we kind of started with performance marketing or just marketing in general was I have my own e-commerce brands that I was selling on Amazon. And really in the beginning, we were just doing a bunch of Amazon ads optimizing our listing. This was like during the time you probably heard of like the Amazon FBA craze where things were just like, hey, you can buy a product and like sell it for three to four times the price. Um, and that's kind of what it was and that's sort of how I got involved in this e-commerce. But as like the time shifted and Amazon got more strict, and of course, as people started seeing this sort of, you know, opportunity, we started then shifting our budgets from Amazon to Facebook ads to sort of try to like kind of what everybody was saying is like build a real brand. When you're when you buy a product from Amazon, you don't really kind of know who it is because it's all wrapped in this Amazon box. So Amazon kind of takes credit for everything. And and of course, like you're using their platform, so they want to make sure that they own it. Um, but anyways, we started that way and we started really focusing on Facebook ads and Instagram ads as a way to drive traffic because it was so cheap back then. Like CPMs were really cheap. Uh, cost for clips were really cheap and just customers just wanted to buy products on Facebook because Facebook at that time had such high trust. Obviously now it's sort of different with like all the privacy things and all the elections. Um, so everything was much cheaper and Facebook just had a really great uh, trust for users um, that, and the ads were really great at the time too. But kind of what we've seen sort of shifted within maybe even the last 12 months with COVID and just how things are going on with like privacy and issues is things are just getting more expensive on Facebook. There's obviously a lot more advertisers coming on board um, just from what we see too. And sort of just like people are just talking about Facebook, like no tomorrow. Um, so kind of really how we're, we're thinking about it and sort of how I've also shifted some of my focus of my brands is really focusing on the creative part of Facebook ads and really saying that if you have a really great ad or sort of great story, it's more of a story in an ad. We've seen those to really help drive conversions. People still relate to stories and sort of how this product was discovered, how this product was found and why it should be in this world. People really resonate with that. And then Facebook is a great place to sort of show that because Facebook is a place where people aren't really there to like buy things, but more discover things. So if you can sort of show a great discovery story, that's super helpful. Um, and that's kind of how we see it now and sort of how we're helping brands is like discovery of products, but at the same time, adding a lot, to, a lot of direct response performance marketing to knowing if these numbers make sense and they back up because that way we can sort of scale up to, you know, five to 10 K a day, which is what we want to do with the brands we work with. Wow. So there was a lot there. I wanted to <laughs> learn a bit more about, you know, you talk about the creative of the of Facebook, and I think it's an interesting point. We have yet to hear somebody sort of mention that Facebook is the place to discover, maybe not buy, but it's a great kind of top of funnel introductory place uh, to show that product or service to a, a new set of eyeballs. So 
What's your favorite format over there? How do you tell the story? Is it a carousel? Is it a video? What's your sort of starting point? If you had a new brand, new client that wanted to go down that path of telling a story, where would they begin? I would say I would love we would love to sort of tell tell stories with videos. Videos are always we think the best. And let's say you're starting a brand new brand. I think as a founder owner, I believe that they should be the ones on camera talking about it, thinking about it. And if you don't, if you're camera shy, that's fine. Like maybe find find somebody that you can do. But the founder needs to really be scripting this and talking about why they did it. Uh, so that's a a great cheap way to do it, where you're just like with the iPhone talking about it. But then in the format. It needs to follow, I think, a specific format that makes sense. And usually the way we think about it here, it's four steps. It's attention, interest, desire, and then action. And then you break it down into sort of each part. Attention means that you just need to, like the first three seconds, needs to be something just completely different than what someone's seen on on Facebook ads. So, for example, like if you're selling something like bar of soap, right, uh, for men, uh, it's very easy to just show the product of a bar soap. That's boring. So what we've seen some other brands do and some of the companies that we work with that even sell like face masks or skincare masks is we know what the core desire of a soap is. It's to smell good, right? If you smell good, you probably want to smell good because you want to go on a date. You want to impress your girlfriend. So we've seen ads performing really well where the first three seconds is like just men in the shower with a really hot looking girl because that attracts that type of buyer. And it's that sort of core desire of a product. Um, that, but that's how we think about it. It's like, think of that emotion of what your product does and how do you elevate it to like the most extreme level that you would be like, oh, wow, like, yeah, that's what I want. So does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. I think it, I either missed it or you're going so fast. There seem to be four buckets there of uh, and I really like it. I'm not even going to try to quote you. So I wanted to make sure we walk down those four uh, because I think it was a, a great way to break it down. Yeah. So like I said, the, yeah, the four buckets again are attention, which is what we what we try to think. If we think about it scientifically, it's in the first three seconds. You really want to use Facebook platform to tell you, hey, was this ad getting a great attention? If like people are watching less than three seconds, that means that probably your hook was really bad. So you should go back to the drawing board and do and re-record different three seconds and that's so simple to do with simple image editors where you can just record a different hook like like and and that's how we think about it here is like we if we see in the stats on facebook the first three seconds are really bad we'll just record new ones but leave the other segments the same so you don't need to go and record each each the video all over again it's just replace those first three seconds with something new so yeah so when you're doing a video just think about it as like components uh that way you can sort of swap in and out of things sweet so what's after that first bucket of awareness? And then it's, uh, yeah, so basically after after attention, it's going to be interest. Interest is kind of like the story now, which is why your product and why you discover it and sort of why should it be out there? So that's sort of like the interest. Like it needs to be now that you got their attention, how do you keep them interested in the product or what you have to say? Um, and after that, we call that desire. Um, and then in desire, it's like, what is now that they know about your product and they sort of discovered it with you too, um, what, what, what's like the, what are you going to do to make them want to buy it? Right. And that could be an offer we call, right. Which is, Hey, look, we just released this this month. If you buy it, you're going to get a free, a free subscription or a free book or free thing. Right. Sort of like, okay, great. Like I want to, I, I want to give you a try. And this could be many things. It doesn't need to be a free product or a free sort of discount. It could also just be you're selling like, hey, look, try it for 30 days. If you don't like it, get your money back. 
right? Something super strong that's like, we want to give somebody a sh uh, the ability to give it a shot, right? And then the last one is going to be action. And that's obviously the ultimate number, which is, did they actually buy or did they give you their email? Whatever you want them to do in that sort of video. Does that make sense? It does. And yep. thanks for breaking that down. So I want to turn the corner here because after they click that buy button, uh, they're going somewhere to convert. And so walk us through how you attribute that campaign success. Most people these days have uh, a set of Google ads, an SEO campaign going, Facebook, Instagram, affiliate links, Amazon's doing its thing. You maybe yep. have, you know, it doesn't <laughs> sound like it's your focus, let's say, but radio, TV, mailers, broadcasts, and all this noise. Uh, a, a typical customer who ends up buying that men's bar of soap might have clicked three times on Facebook, read your organic blog post one time, got an affiliate link from a friend, a week went by, then they read a Google review, another week went by, now they're on Instagram, they see it for the 11th time, they click the Instagram ad, then they go convert. If you live with Facebook's metrics or you live with even Google Analytics, they're gonna give credit of that conversion to Instagram, which might be in the last click position, but really wasn't the one that did any of those other four buckets about uh, you know, raising desire, interest, and things like that. It was those other channels. So how are you at your agency and for your own brands uh, uh, measuring attribution and attributing credit for those sales back to the ad campaigns that delivered them? Yeah, this is a great question because this happens with a lot of the big, if you're spending any money on Facebook and you're spending anywhere between like 100K, you're probably also spending on other platforms. Like you said, Google, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter, et cetera. And the way we do it here is, especially because we are very performance driven, um, the default numbers on Facebook are like 28 day click and one day view. It basically means that if someone viewed an ad or within 28 days, they've clicked on the ad and then they somehow got a purchase, Facebook will count that as their sale, kind of what you were saying before. But with us, when we're really scaling brands, we are just really, the number that we look at is that we, we will change the attribution window that we're doing on Facebook to just one day click. And with one day click, that basically it says, within this 24 hours that you clicked the ad, did you buy the product? And that's really where we base all our metrics and numbers off because we want to know that today's ad actually bought in meaningful revenue, not 27 days from now. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yep. And that's, that's for any brand that's spending a ton of money. That's what we suggest they did to do because other channels are just going to take credit for it. And every, of course the numbers are never, never going to be perfectly aligned, but we have to use the next best thing. And for us, it's always the, we know that if they click the ad today, they got a sale from our ad and that's how we want to do it. And of course you can use UTM tags, but they're not always the best either. So like with anything, it's you, you have to pick one and just use that as like your core team's uh, metric. So here's the thing. We, this is what we specialize in. And so we, we like hearing guys like you who are being creative at solving this problem. Now is a one day window giving you the metric that you need to optimize those campaigns? Yes, because that's you're measuring it the same way, period over period. You're keeping your eye on the same KPI and you're making a determination that says ad X is better than ad Y or Google's better than Facebook because we are normalizing everything down to this metric. And that makes sense. I mean, does that summarize your your strategy decent enough? Yeah, pretty much, yep. Okay, so... 
and I think that's the problem, not not with what you're doing. I, I've heard people attack this many different ways. The problem is that Facebook is a walled garden. Google is a walled garden. Mm-hmm. So when you go check on your Shopify account, you saw that you sold 100 bars of soap. That's great. Go log into Facebook. Facebook says you have 64 conversions. Go log into Google. Google Ads says you have 72 conversions. Well, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't add up. So I, you sort of unpacked that already, but how do you deal with that? Yeah, usually with so usually with that when we see these sort of big numbers like that, so we of course like to track from each platform, but then we'll also look at MER, which is just the marketing efficiency ratio, right? Overall sales to uh, the overall ad spend, and sort of to see like at least are we profitable about the numbers that make sense? So for each sort of each sort of metric that we're looking at, we say okay, MER needs to be you know above a two point seven. And on Facebook, the numbers need to be above a two point, uh, a two point nine, right? And on Google, it needs to be above a two point eight because that's sort of like how we're thinking about it as a whole. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough. Like you said, it's really tough, and it's like you just need to be, and you can only really know these numbers when you've been in the game for like one or two years, and you kind of know what makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, you're yeah. you wouldn't even go down the path of of changing attribution models or wondering what attribution is. It it it's it's an advanced technique that becomes extremely important, yeah. you know, the bigger your spend becomes, but it is something that, you know, most people look at uh, click through rate, uh, conversion rates of the ads, cost for acquisition. And that's, you know, that's a great way to evaluate how one particular channel is doing inside of its own silo, but it fails miserably when you attempt mm-hmm. to compare apples to apples across multiple silos. And so, you know, it's something that we really work with a lot of agencies and with a lot of brands uh, that are spending that 100K plus a month on advertising. And the way we work with them is we deploy a universal conversion tracking pixel. We put that on Shopify, that on WooCommerce. We put that into your uh, your WordPress site when you capture form fills or financial applications or for quote requests, whatever that uh, conversion is. and our universal conversion tracking pixel uh, is is supplementary to what Facebook's tracking, what Google's tracking, and it is an, an impartial third-party attribution source that says, great, Facebook in their system says 62 conversions. We really don't care. We found 100 <laughs> conversions in Shopify, full stop. There is no other information other than how many conversions Shopify informed us. We automatically ingest all the revenue from uh, that Shopify conversion. And then we are listening to, like you mentioned, the UTM sources, referrals Mm -hmm. from Facebook, the SEO campaign, the broadcast campaigns. And as this data comes in, we use up to seven different attribution models to say of the hundred conversions, Facebook, you know, we spent $34,000 in a month on Facebook and we got 58 conversions. We spent $60,000 on Google and we only got 42 conversions. But, you know, if you do that math, it might feel as if Facebook is better than Google in a simple uh, conversion, cost per conversion. But if the Facebook buyer's average cart is 180 and the Google person's average cart is 280, then the only thing that matters that we look at and the only KPI that we encourage agencies and marketers to to chase is return on ad spend. Mm -hmm. And we look at it as, completely holistic. If you're missing a channel, whether that's radio, TV, Amazon, SMS marketing, email, 
we bring all that in, we listen to it automatically, and we sit back as the third party um, that's not motivated to get you to spend more, not motivated to get you to change your headline in the ad. Instead, we only look at return on ad spend, and we come back to you with insights that say, uh, you should be spending less on Google, more on Facebook, less on Thursdays, more on Fridays. And that's really the crux of this. And I wanted to get your opinion about um, just attribution in general and uh, how you're deploying it. It sounds like you're doing a great job with the tools that are there, but have you ever explored any third-party attribution tools um, to try to be sort of that impartial voice for your own brands, but also for your clients? Yeah. So for us right now, we're we're still using the native platform. And it's a question that we get asked a lot too. It's like, hey, like I'm seeing my conversions just be like completely different. And for us, we're kind of like doing just Excel and trying to figure out like where it makes sense. But it's not something that we're doing a lot of at the moment. And we know that it's something that we need sort of like to take a look at. And we're asking Facebook, we're asking Google for better tools, but they're just saying like, this is how we're tracking it. It'll never match up. Um, so yeah, like for us, it's like, we, we need some, some sort of like attribution help too. Yeah. Very cool. So we try to keep these a little bit short. So I wanted to leave with a, uh, just where do you think this is going in terms of the, the shift of advertising? You know, you had mentioned, uh, Facebook is getting more expensive. Uh, everybody's staying home these days, retail and the distribution model and wholesale and things like that as it, as it pertains to consumer goods is all sort of shifting so drastically. So you seem to have your finger on the pulse of some of these uh, direct response consumer brands. Where do you think it's going? What trends have you been seeing? Uh, and what can marketers expect, let's say, for the rest of this year? I think some of the trends we're seeing, it's going to be really, honestly, I think attribution is going to be really big now. We're like, now people are really going to care about it because there's so there's so much importance in that. Uh, where they really want to see how can they optimize their dollars online. Um, where before it's like you're saying, hey, like like before it's very easy to say like, oh, look, we just drew up some retail sales as well. So like it was very easy to be very fluffy about it. But now with no like additional sorts of people just walking into stores, people really want to know, okay, where is this person actually coming from? And so I think that's going to be super important. And second one too, it's going to be just going back to the creative side. I think a lot of companies you need to realize how can you be creative while working from home or even just like doing stuff in your apartment and uh, and trying to see like how can you make creatives and i think for people is to really look at platforms like tiktok for creativity they're doing a, like the people on there are just really creative and they're just recording at home so if, as a brand how can you maybe hire one of those people to make your make your brand content for cheap um so because those people are already experts at it versus maybe other creators at the moment they need a studio and they're not equipped and to to sort of do like quick videos so that's sort of where i, I think it's headed so I, I guess I got one more now. So if you look at, say, <laughs> Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, right, this guy is no script, no preparation, bad words, vertical videos, <laughs> holding selfie style, and, you know, it works for him. But if Nike came out with, you know, stuff like that, it, it just, it wouldn't, to me, maybe I'm wrong or, or uh, old hat here, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It's not the same. So I'm trying to find out from you, if you're an upstart or a, a small brand or even a medium brand, do you think that that personal founder-based story with no prep, no real script, you know, TikTok live style is more effective than a three-point lighting in a professional studio with a bunch of takes? 
I, I think that one is like with like someone just found her story talking directly to the camera. I think that's more authentic. And, and I think that's what you need to do in the beginning. It doesn't mean that you can't be a Nike later on, right? Remember Nike took years to build and now they're just really big professional brand, but you can start off as a way like this and then shift your focus to that when you have more money, because when you have more money, you can do a lot more things. Where in the beginning, why invest 15, 20 K in a video when you don't know what's going to work? where Nike can invest because they have years of data that this type of content and video works for them. So for me, it's coming from a point of, hey, just do what's quick and scrappy now. That's going to take you to where you want to go. If you want to learn more from Kevin, please go check out voidmedia.com. That's it for today, the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off.